Welcome to the Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia, will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Thalia, one of the pastors on staff at Northview Church, and I am sitting here with two of my colleagues, with Ezra. Hi. He is our Mission Campus pastor. Mm-hmm. And Josh. Hello. Josh Amazonas. I love his last name. I told them that on the <laughs> yeah. podcast last week. Josh is our producer for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And Jeff is away today, so it's the three of us. Yeah. Last time, Ezra, you were missing, and it was Jeff, Josh, and I. So, ah. Anyway. How did that go? New crowd. Of- <laughs> What's good? I can guess how it went, but yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. We won't go there, right, I Jeff? Still love I, my he's going to listen, and then he's going to come back job. and tell yeah. us. What, yes, I, I love my I job, so we'll just leave it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, we love our job. <laughs> yes, yeah. Jeff, we love our jobs. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so question of the day to get us warmed up: mm. If you could rent a place for a month to live with your family, or Josh with you and Jenna, new marriage, where would you live, and why? Live or vacation? Yeah, vacation for like a month. Okay, month-long vacation. Ooh, Money is not an issue. Mm. I'd probably go back to Brazil. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a, a whole quarter, three, two-thirds of my family down there. So that's probably be it. I okay. Think, for me. Good beaches is always a plus, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are two locations that I can think of right off the top of my head. Okay. The first would probably be, I would love to go to Fiji, Samoa. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've never been, and the pictures I see, I mean, the ocean water yeah. is, mm. like, clear, and it just seems warm, and and uh, the the beaches look so untouched, just very natural. So I think it's, it's uh, I mean, for me, just, um, it's just beautiful and real. Um, not that the other beaches are fake, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other place would be the seashells. It's... Um, it's uh, little islands mm-hmm. on the yeah. uh, southeastern coast of Africa, just by by Madagascar. Mm-hmm. And again, it's similar similar images like uh, Fiji. So I, I think that those are those will be the two places that come to mind right off. Maybe Cayman Islands, but again, either way, beach theme, beach beach theme, mm-hmm. okay. beach theme. I, I'm feeling I'm feeling beach like. Yeah, maybe it's the sunny weather yeah. outside. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. But Probably. I'm not I'm not the kind of person who enjoys uh, laying on the beach and doing nothing. If I go to visit a new place, I love going to the big city. Mm. I love walking oh, and seeing the tall buildings and the traffic and the rush people yeah. rushing back and forth. Uh, and then I'd love sitting in a coffee shop and just watching people and trying to envision what their lives mm. would be like. Yeah. What it would be like to live in this city and what job would you be doing and how's how's your family, yeah. things like that. Mm. I find a lot of fascination in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I would go. So if I had a month, Mark and I and our kids, I would go rent an apartment in London, England, Ooh. right on the river there, and I would tour oh. the city walking around. I love London. Oh, you've I, been? Yes. Oh, and I yes. love the city, love the architecture, love the yeah. people, love the accent, love the food, mm. love everything. So if you love London, mm-hmm. you might want to just travel up north okay. and go to Edinburgh. Oh, been there. 
That is fantastic. Yes. Yes. Edinburgh is And York. We were there too. That yes, was York. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. All those cities. Jenna's going crazy right now if she's listening because she <laughs> loves Scotland. Oh. And she's probably like, why didn't you say Scotland? Yes. Yeah. Say Scotland. Say I so. also want to go see Ireland. I've never been mm. to Ireland. Yeah. And I could explore very many more places in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and all the places you mentioned, Ezra, that would be good. Right. But I'm not such a beach person because like, you can see with my, well, you guys can't see, my skin <laughs> is kind of pale, <laughs> kind of burn kind of quickly. So, yes. Not really my friend. Yeah. For the a bit. sunshine is yeah. not your not really. laying on the beach. No, not no, that doesn't work very well. So, if you were to holiday, mm-hmm. what would be your perfect holiday? And obviously, now you're not a, you're not a beach girl. So, no. it would be city? A city. Mm. New Cat York amazing. is awesome. Been there. Yeah. Mm. I didn't like New York. No? I did not like New oh, York okay. at all. Jeff and I, maybe it was the company I was with. I was with. <laughs> no, no, Jeff. no. We love Jeff. Oh, we yeah, love we our love jobs. Jeff. We yeah. love our jobs. Yeah, yeah. Right. Don't go right. there. Okay. Right. Not going there. <laughs> no. Sorry. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we love our jobs. Okay. So let's keep moving. The topic of the day today is behind the scenes with Ezra. And we have a chance now, Josh and I, to ask him some great questions about his growing up his family life now, and a few hot topics that we've pre-approved with him so that he's not totally surprised. So <laughs> first of all, Ezra, let's get to know you a little bit. Hmm. When you have some free time, what do you mm-hmm. love to do? Free time. So I, some people may know this, some may not. I am a carpenter. I used hmm. to build things I didn't uh, know out that. of wood. Yes. Kind of like I Jesus. used to, yes. <laughs> so last summer, I spent a lot of my vacation building stuff in my garage, like my what? little single garage. So my son had, um, my son has a smaller room in, his, in, in our house. And so he wanted a desk there where mm-hmm. he could put some of his stuff and he could do homework because many times he'd come home and he'd put all his books on the dining table. And then when it's dinner time, you're moving all the books to the yeah. couches and all that stuff. And his room didn't have much space to have a, to have a, um, a desk. And so I decided to build a bunk desk, uh, a bunk with a desk underneath. Oh, yeah, like a loft bed. Yes, a loft bed. And um, so I designed this thing. I, I thought about it, drew the design, yeah. and then built this sturdy bunk bed. I did the same thing for my, my girls as well. Oh. Just built this intricate thing that I put together like a yeah. jigsaw puzzle. It was a lot of fun. It took me about two weeks straight. Yeah. Nice. Uh, like hard work. Yeah. And for me, I found that to be very therapeutic because mm. it's something that I don't do every day. Yeah. So it was just refreshing to wake up and then to do renos of the house, mm. painting and building and Things like that. So, so neat. yeah. So when when I have some time and I have some money to buy the materials, yeah. Oh yeah, carpentry. Yes, please and thank you. What's wow. your What's your favorite project that you've done so far? Oh, in Africa, I did all sorts of projects. Like I built kitchens, I Ooh. built uh, uh, cabinets, uh, wardrobes, uh, beds, chairs. I did a whole bunch of things. So I don't know if I, I think yes. I used to build to like a. Small little boats, Ooh. like okay. steam boats, as a as a trophy, to like to actually put in the water and play with, or just to yes, have on a you shelf. Could, you could put it in the water and play with. You okay. can put it on a shelf. So building those things, but I don't quite have the the really fine carpentry tools okay. right now. Right. To yeah. actually build something like that. And if I did, I would love Sweet. to do That's something sweet. like that. So, yeah. wh- so where did that come from, the carpentry mm-hmm. fascination? I was working for a mission agency in Africa, and I worked under a German guy. And uh, at this mission uh, organization, we we rarely... We, we, 
all our work was done in-house. So okay. if it is carpentry, if it is masonry, if it is plumbing, if it is uh, uh, me uh, mechanics, if your car broke down, whatever, we did everything in-house. So from this German guy, I learned he was a jack of all trades. He could mm -hmm. do all sorts of things. He was an electrician by trade, but mm -hmm. he was one of these people who he knows everything about building, everything about cars, and he could just fit in whatever and do the stuff. So it was under him that I was able to uh, gain this passion and love for carpentry. I can still, I can do a little bit of mechanics. I can do a little bit of plumbing, a little mm -hmm. bit of um, uh, electrical work. Mm. Uh, and I can do enough, but not not like a certified electrician yeah. for sure. Yeah. But uh, if I walked into a construction zone, I can hold my own pretty good. That's nice. neat. Yeah. So that's something that a lot of people don't know. No, I didn't even know that. That's oh, you cool. Didn't know that. No, there I didn't know. There you go. Yeah. New what things. Are you, what mm -hmm. are you listening to in your car? I don't listen to anything in my car. Okay. I don't listen to anything in my car. What I often do when I'm driving, and I've done this for almost a year and a half now, uh, I used to listen to sports radio a okay. lot. And I would I, I, I had my favorite uh, presenters and I would laugh and all that uh, at some of the crazy things they say. But nowadays I spend a lot of my praying time mm -hmm. is in my drive. Yeah. So when I'm driving from, uh, from between campuses, Abbotsford, Mission, uh, I spend a lot of my time praying and rarely do I listen. Now, last week I had a little bit of an engagement in Vancouver and Burnaby mm -hmm. actually. And so as I drove from Abbotsford to Burnaby, I was listening to the Bible. Oh, yeah. So I just listened to the scriptures yeah. and I, I would listen to it, whichever pace I want. I just hook mm -hmm. up my phone in my car mm -hmm. and I listen to the scriptures being read to me. And I think about certain passages, pause here and just digest and keep going. Yeah. So that's what I do. Yeah, I don't listen to music in my vehicle or sports radio anymore. Not too many podcasts. Uh, podcasts, not too many. Uh, White Horse Inn. Oh yeah, would be Jeff one, mentioned yeah. that last yeah, week. Yeah, White Horse yeah. Inn is one that I find a little interesting uh, to listen to. I listen to Albert Mola's briefing, the okay. briefing, which is interesting. And then I read a few blogs here and there. But yeah, but in terms of just listening to music or anything like that, no, okay. no, not so much. But let's say you have to come up with a playlist. Of like Ezra's top songs from his whole life. What's what's going on there? My playlist of my my favorite songs. Actually, I will say this: my personality is such that I get along with a lot of different kinds of people. So I'm not, uh, and that's why I would say. Uh, now I'm going to brag on me right now. <laughs> that's that's, what, the, that's what the podcast. Yes, I'm going to brag on me right now. I would say. Uh, there'd be very few staff members in our staff who would f who would have a difficult time working with me uh, just True. because I get along mm -hmm. with people easily. Now, because of my personality type, I am not stuck on one thing. Like I have a whole myriad of things. So let's say if I'm sitting in my house and I want to watch a movie, let's say I put up Netflix nights on my TV, I might sit there for half an hour not knowing what I want to watch right? Yep. because I'm so indecisive because of the the personality, the, the personality type that I am. I'm yeah. very synergistic. I'm just middle of the road. I get along with everybody. So it depends mm. on my mood and what I'm feeling at the time. Uh, for the most part, um, one of the things I enjoy doing uh, at home is cooking. So when I finish uh, my day here, I'd go home, I'd probably stop at the store, buy a few ingredients, mm -hmm. and then I'd make dinner for my family. I love doing that. And sometimes I do that two weeks straight. Right. And it's not a 
it's it's a joy for me. But while I'm cooking, I'd be listening to instrumental music. So mm. it might be piano today, it might be guitar tomorrow, it might be jazz. Ooh. So um, I have a little um, Google Google Home just in my kitchen. So I just yeah. say, hey, Google Home, play me soft music. And okay. then whatever comes is great. So oh, I'm listening to it. Sometimes I want to listen to some Christian rap by Lecrae. Hardcore or, metal. Or, uh, no hardcore <laughs> metal here. Screamo? No, no screaming. Country. No, no uh, country. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, yeah, so in terms of musical tastes, to, to come back to your question, mm. Josh, musical tastes, I wouldn't say that there is a specific uh, artist who I gravitate to. I will say, um, there's this guy who sang, what is his name? Montel Jordan. Okay. So there's a guy called Montel Jordan. He sang this song, This Is How We Do It. This is how we do nice. it. That song? <laughs> yeah. So th- so I used to listen to that kind of music as a young man. And of course, a lot of those mu- that kind of music has a lot of trashy lyrics and things like yeah. that. But Jeff and I and a few other, Steve Wiens was there. Daryl Crop, our moderator, was there as well. So we traveled to Saddleback um, Church in uh, California. Rick Warren's, Rick Church. Warren's Church. Yeah. And guess who was leading worship? No. no. Yes. <laughs> what? Montel Jordan. So I saw him, I recognized him, and I just sat down. And you were like, starstruck. Oh, my. Amazing. <laughs> He's leading worship. What? <laughs> I know the songs he sang. Yeah. I saw his videos. What nasty. Yeah. And now he's leading worship at Saddleback. Yeah. And Jeff and Daryl and Steve, they all look at me. What's what's your problem? <laughs> then I sang the song for them. Like, this is how. And they're like, I said, that's the guy who no. sang the song. <laughs> oh, man, it was a good how. That's was, a good we awesome. had a good time. Had a that's good time. Amazing. Yes. So tell us about your early years growing up. Uh, growing up, so I grew up, of course, in Kenya, uh, grew up in the capital city, uh, and I, from kindergarten all the way to to graduating high school, I used to cross town. So it's almost like you go to school in North Vancouver and you live in Burnaby or yep. live in Surrey, but go to school in, in, in North, North yep. Van, something like that. My so, growing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. I, crossed, I crossed town every, every day. Uh, sometimes I'll take the public transportation or the school we went to was a private school, mm-hmm. a private Muslim school, and they had a school bus okay. uh, that uh, my parents sometimes would be able to afford to pay for it, and sometimes they were not able to afford so it. Why a Muslim school? That's a good question. Uh-huh. It would be it would be sim- my situation was was such that think of this. We have MEI here yeah. and you have some Sikh or Hindu families that take their their kids to MEI, mm-hmm. the Christian school. Yes. Why would this Sikh family take the child to MEI because of the level of education they will get? Okay. So it's not because the family uh, is uh, feels drawn to the Christian faith per se. It is the educational piece that they are looking for, mm-hmm. even though they know that that school is a Christian school. So the so flip that um, in Africa with my parents. I went to a school called Aga Khan, Aga Khan Primary School, and it was a school that uh, private school, excellent, top notch education, mm. but it was. A Muslim school. It was the Ismaili Muslims who ran the school. The Aga Khan is an Ismaili mm-hmm. Muslim leader. Uh, then school named after him. And in fact, the Aga Khan came to a school, I 
think twice or three times throughout my tenure at the school as a wow. student there. Is that, so I got to see that him. compare him to someone who we'd know like what Oh, the of... Aga Khan would be similar to the Pope. Okay. To what the Pope is to All Catholics, right. the Aga Khan is that wow. to Ismaili Muslims. Like he is a big deal to yeah. Ismaili Muslims, he is it. Yeah. Um So what did that mean for you though as a Christian student from a right? We were from a Christian family. Yeah, so I came from a Christian family, but the reason I was a Christian is because I was not a Buddhist. Right. So I, mm. I mean, my my grandfather on my mom's side, my maternal granddad, he is a pastor. Uh, my mom, uh, we were Christian. We would go to church on Sunday, and mom would give me a little coin to put in the offering basket. But I never really knew the gospel of Jesus. Okay. I used to get angry around Easter when people are saying that people killed Jesus. Jesus is a good guy. Right. Why are you killing him? And I'd get so angry and have this lump on my throat, mm. wanting, to, like, fantasizing, man, if I was just a superhero and I'd yeah. show up yeah. and I'd just beat up these people who are killing Jesus, yeah. how would you kill a, a good guy? Now, when the resurrection when the uh, the story comes to the resurrection, the resurrection didn't mean much to me back then. Mm. But you killed him. Yeah. Yeah, he rose again. But you killed him. Yeah. yeah. The so crime the, the, has been committed. Yeah, yeah. I just got stuck at the, mm. the yeah. death of Christ and the injustice there. So, uh, yes, I came from a Christian family, but really not understanding okay. the gospel. At least my parents did not articulate that to me. So when you were at this Muslim school, mm. did you participate in everything or were there things that you were excluded from or chose to be excluded from? So um, they they taught us all all our regular subjects. You did all your regular subjects, and, and but then they had religious education. So in Africa, you have to do a religious education exam. Uh, once you're done grade seven or grade eight, you have to do a major national exam and you'll do math, English, whatever. But then religious education will be that. But then you would pick what religion you would like okay. to do. So if you're Muslim, you do the Muslim exam. Mm -hmm. If you're Christian, you do the Christian exam. If you're okay. Hindu, you do the Hindu exam. That that way. So I I chose to do obviously Christian. So during the religious education piece, we would leave the class and leave the Ismaili Muslims in the class where they'll be taught about their own faith. Yeah. And we would go to a different class. And sometimes we had a class teacher who would teach us about the Christian faith. And sometimes we never had a teacher. Again, it was mm. a Muslim school, so they were mm. not necessarily committed necessarily to, to give us Christian doctrine or Christian teaching, that kind of stuff. The time we, when we, whenever we had a Christian teacher giving us or teaching us about Christian religious studies, they, it, I would say it would be a, a teacher who was a Christian and was going to church and understood the faith, but did not necessarily have a fully formed curriculum okay. that they would be taking us through and say, okay, let's learn the five books of the Pentateuch and let's learn mm -hmm. the historical books and so on and so forth. Let's talk about the minor prophets and what those are. We never went through that at all. It was basically just, let's talk about David and what do we learn about David and Goliath's story, those kinds of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you look back now, you think, what were those pieces that shaped you to who you are now? How did that Muslim school shape you? I would say I really understand that it is, it is interesting by God's providence that he took me to this school because a lot of Ismaili Muslims would be people who we would look at today in Abbotsford and say, yeah, these are uh, uh, Indo-Canadians. Okay. So and, and a number of them, actually, there, there are many friends of mine who I studied with at this school. Some of them live in Vancouver, in mm -hmm. Richmond. Others live in Toronto. Uh, they've moved here. So I'd say in God's providence, he took me to this school 
And then in his providence, he knew that one day I'll be living in Abbotsford in Canada, where there's a massive uh, Indo-Canadian population here. So I understand Indo-Canadians really, really, really well. Why? Because I studied mm-hmm. with them 12 years. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So so I really understand the Indo-Canadian mind. I can get along with them really well. I know I can understand the unsaid cultural norms. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's I big. get those quickly. Yeah. Because, yeah, I studied with them. So where along the way do you think you really committed your life to God? Uh, it was my second year of high school. Okay. I went to a Christian camp. And uh, while I was there, the, the reason that I went to the Christian camp, obviously, because there were girls, yep. uh, there was food, <laughs> and there was sports. Yeah. And so as the, as the, the, young, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> young guy that I was, I was like, all those three, I am all in. Mm-hmm. But the, the selling feature for this was also the fact that the Christian camp was being, it was uh, almost like going to Camp Luther, where you go for... You, you arrive on a Sunday and you go home on a Saturday and you stay mm-hmm. there all week. So it was not a VBS, a day, a day camp. It was you stay there. Yeah. But I only paid 50 cents. Ooh, nice. And the reason I paid 50 cents. 50 cents, cents total? Total. Wow. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. 50 cents total. And the food was amazing. Like it was a f- three square meals a day. Uh, great accommodation, hot water shower, like it was full-on camp, like it was a great vacation. So are you saying it's so far back in the day that 50 cents was like $100? So, (laughs) no, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is there were many North American donors whom I have never met in my life who heavily subsidized. Okay. Mm -hmm. So whenever missionaries come and they say, hey, you know, support this organization, support this because they do this and this. So people give generously, Mm -hmm. and it was through the generosity of many Canadians, Americans, Germans, uh, predominantly those three countries, uh, our camps were heavily subsidized. So I only paid 50 cents to go to this camp. And so I arrived on a Sunday, and yes, the girls were great, and the soccer fields were <laughs> awesome, and the food was remarkable. So I remember the first night we were in our dormitory, and we had a cabin counselor. And so the counselors now, we are now introducing ourselves after the evening meeting. We are just about to go to bed. We're introducing ourselves. And these people begin to introduce us. I'm so-and-so, and I'm saved. I'm so-and-so, I'm saved. And I kept wondering, what are you saved from? And I was ah. tempted to lie. Like I was saying, okay, oh, yeah. I was now rehearsing what I was going right. to say in yeah. my mind before my turn came. I'm Ezra, I'm saved. Yeah. Uh, but then when it came to my turn, I said, I'm Ezra and I'm not saved. Ooh. And then the next guy went and I was like, oh, I said, I was okay, well, I guess I'm not. <laughs> so it was me. It, it was a room of about, we were about seven guys in that room. And out of the seven guys, the eighth was the cabin counselor. Yeah. Out of the seven guys, uh, only two, myself and another another guy, were not Christian. Right. And so I didn't know what being saved was. And people say, "Oh, you come from a Christian?" Yeah, I come from a Christian family. My dad, my grandma is a, my granddad is a pastor, and all that stuff. But I really didn't know what it meant to become mm-hmm. a Christian. On Monday, we had the sports and everything. We had a Bible hour. Yes, I knew Bible a little bit, but not quite, not really. Then on Monday night, uh, we had a preacher who spoke one of the staff and that was the first time i ever heard the gospel clearly articulated and then he just uh, had an invitation who would like to Mm -hmm. embrace christ as lord and savior and i 
put my hand up and I said, yeah. And I was not, it wasn't just me. It was me among many other people. And I knew the moment I heard the gospel, I knew I have to do this. I I, this, I could not escape mm-hmm. the weight of my own sin mm. and also being overwhelmed by the love of God and what Christ had accomplished. I had never heard that message before. And yet my mom had bought Bible, like uh Bible story books with pictures on it. Mm-hmm. She used to mm-hmm. read those stories for mm-hmm. us. So I could tell you Samson's story mm-hmm. perfectly. I could tell you David's story, mm-hmm. Joseph in his multicolored coat. Mm-hmm. I could tell you all the stories, but I had never, ever heard the gospel mm-hmm. until that day. So the ground had been prepared, yes. ready for that day mm-hmm. when the penny dropped, as we often and say. And the penny dropped, mm-hmm. and I became a Christian. And I remember leaving camp and going home, and what one thing that I loved the most was going on very long walks, like two or three hours, and just to pray, hmm. just to talk to God. When you were a new Christian? As a brand new Christian. Okay. So I leave camp, I go home on Saturday, and that Saturday afternoon, I'm on a three-hour hike. Hmm. Had you been... Just liked walking God. before? No. Or was this a new thing? This is a new thing. Wow. Okay. I had never... Me? Well, are you kidding? <laughs> no. Well, I was wondering. With, I'm thinking that's not how I know it. With, okay. <laughs> with TV in my uh-huh. house? Oh, please. No, 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 no. So that was not me. I would rather be playing soccer, goofing off with mm-hmm. my brothers, doing all sorts of crazy things. And then I met Jesus and it was just... I felt a peace that I cannot explain and a desire to talk to God, like God felt so close, like I could almost touch his hand close. Mm -hmm. And I talked to God a lot that first year. Oh, Mm -hmm. my. Yeah. That's really neat. That was, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, those were good days. So tell us a little bit about then, how did you get from there to here? Where was that called a ministry? How did that shape up? So I graduate from uh, high school, and then uh, I have this uh, decision uh, whether to pursue university and uh, enter into the secular uh, world or ministry. Now, before I became a Christian, I wanted to work with uh, in the aviation industry. Why? My dad worked for the National Airline, and so... W- Unlike many kids around my age, mm-hmm. in my area, not many kids had ever flown or even seen a plane up close. Right. But because of my dad and his work, I had the privilege. I had flown here and there, and I've seen a plane up close and all that. So I wanted to be in the aviation industry. Anyway, long story short, uh, long story short, I after I became a Christian, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. The desire of secular work just died. Oh. Mm. So I went to Bible school. And uh, at Bible school, we had our classes in the morning. You had to stay there. So it was like a boarding. You stay there. And then you had a work detail in the afternoon. So some students work in the kitchen, dish pit, cooking. Uh, others would do yard work and mow the lawns and things like that. So I was raking leaves one afternoon. And I was raking them. And I was now in my fantasy and my fantasy was I could see myself as this phenomenal Bible teacher and just <laughs> wowing people with my knowledge and everybody's just thinking, Ezra is awesome. I was in my fantasy, right? Um, Sometimes it's kind of a reality around yeah. here, right? Yes, Ezra, was, way yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah, fantasy. Uh, we just, literally, that was actually what I was thinking about. And I was all alone in, in, by, by a volleyball pitch, raking leaves, and someone called me, Ezra. 
and I looked back and I couldn't see anybody. So I go back to this fantasy and then someone calls me again, Ezra. And I look back and I don't see anybody. But now I'm thinking one of my friends is playing a game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I look around, I look thoroughly, but I was certain that I was alone. And then I remembered um, Samuel and how Samuel was mm-hmm. called by God. And so I kind of paused and I said, yes, Lord. And it just sounded weird. Mm. Yes, Lord. And then that voice that had called on me said, I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. It was as clear as you're hearing my voice now. I okay. want you to do this. And I know what this meant. This meant I want you to teach my word. Huh. Wow. And that's how it, it, it was. Um, I would say it's that call that keeps me in ministry. Ministry is not easy. No. Mm. Ministry has its many challenges, and there are many days when you, when I would say, you know what, I'd rather be a painter, a framer. Yeah. I'd rather go build beds yeah. than do what I do. But what keeps me in ministry is that call yeah. was so clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't see myself doing anything else. Mm-hmm. That's neat. So let's talk a little bit about um, Tamara. Yeah. Know? You are from two different backgrounds. Yes, we are. Tell us a little are. bit about that and how that impacts the two of you. Yeah, so Tamara and I met in Africa. Uh, she had come to do some uh, some uh, work, some mission work in Africa, and we met there. And then uh, she's one of the the reason why I'm in Canada is because of her. Like anybody, in, uh, Canada is not a country that is known worldwide. Okay. People, it's it's almost like how many listeners right now know whether Switzerland has provinces or states, whether they have a president or a prime minister mm-hmm. or a king or queen. We know barely anything about yeah. Switzerland. All we know is they have good chocolates and it's a beautiful country. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it. Yep. Canada is the same way. It's this country in Africa. Most people in Africa just think Canada has this beautiful flag and there are some of these Canada pins, that the maple leaf mm-hmm. pins that you put on your lapel. Some of those have made their rounds to <laughs> Africa. So you see this pin and, oh, this is Canada and looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know whether, not much is known about Canada okay. worldwide. So I've, I always wanted to go to the United States. Anyway, after meeting Tamara, and obviously she's Canadian and all that. So she's the reason why I'm in Canada. Okay. I, been, I really wanted, had wanted to go to the United States. Anyway, so I come to Canada, we get married. Uh, now, what's w- being married to a Canadian and me being a Kenyan, obviously we had written each other back and forth uh, lots of letters and things like that. But it's one thing to have a long-distance relationship and think, oh, man, this is going to work. And it's quite another when you're now married you're now in your home and now you have to do life my goodness the differences uh were huge many times tamara and i had what i like to call very um we had engaging conversations (laughs) yes they were they were very spirited yes i would say both of us and tamara is not a shrinking violet either uh she's a very strong woman Mm -hmm. opinionated Uh, as am I. And so finding common ground was never easy. And again, we 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 wrote each other about the big things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it's not the big things that make a marriage no. work. It's, it's the, the little, little day-to-day, the hour-to-hour. Little hour. details. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, it is the assumptions uh, that that we all have uh, when we walk into a marriage. So, mm-hmm. for example, as an African, I never saw my dad tell my mom I love you ever, hmm. ever. But obviously, in North America, I love you is very much, should be very much a part of your day-to-day language, Mm -hmm. particularly between two married people. Mm -hmm. This was strange Mm. for me. Or even when we got kids, my dad has never looked me in the eye and ever told me, I love you, son, ever. Mm. So for me, saying that to my child in front of my wife yeah. for the very first time was the most awkward and weird <laughs> thing because it had never been modeled to me. Right. I didn't know what that would look like. But you knew it was an expectation It here. was an expectation here. Yeah. Um, or one thing that I find absolutely weird that Tamara and I will probably have to cross that bridge once our kids get of age and now they are graduating high school. Yeah. You Canadians have this thing, or you Westerners have this thing where you would charge your kids rent. (laughs) How in the world would you do this to your own child? Are you crazy? You should talk to my parents like six or seven years ago. (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous. But Tamara is like, no, it teaches them responsibilities. Oh, I can teach them responsibilities (laughs) in a different way. I am not charging my kids rent. Sorry. And so we are having a spirited conversation, as you can tell, about this specific issue. So there are differences like these. Uh, Another one would be, so in Africa, it was was, uh, basically understood that it is an unsaid norm. The wife, the home is yours. You will take care of the home. You will make the meals. It's That's just how it is. Well, I was going to school. I was going to college here. And Tamara was working. So in many cases, I'd be home before her. Right. So in her mind, based from her home, her dad got home early. If Whoever got home early would start dinner. So if right. dad got home early, he'd start dinner. If mom got home early, she'd start dinner. So for the first few weeks, I would get home early and I'll just sit there, do my homework or watch TV (laughs) or just hang out. And she would come and she's tired and she was on sales, doing some sales, working in the mall. And she'd be really upset. I'm like, why? The kitchen is yours. And then, (laughs) oh, my. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) That made for some lovely conversations Mm. that evening. I learned the the meaning of the term doghouse. Oh, man. And, of course, there is also some language issues mm-hmm. or expressions. So, for instance, in Africa, when I'm having a debate with a peer or friends, and if, you're, if your argument is not solid, yeah. if it's not good, yeah. for me to tell you, shut up, Thalia. <laughs> By that, I mean, come on, you can do better. Right. Than that. Okay. So Tamara and I are having one spirited conversation. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. I can feel it coming. And, 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 I know it's going to so happen. So we're having this spirited conversation. <laughs> and I say, come on, Tamara, shut up. Ooh. Like, strongly, like, a bit, yeah. again. Because we think that as yeah. shut down, don't speak anymore. Your opinion yeah. does not count. Yeah. Right. So I shut up, Tamara. And I'm not, I'm not looking into her eyes. I'm basically, and then I keep talking, and she's quiet. And then I look at her, and then she's kind of like a deer in headlights, uh-huh. looking at me. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm winning this fight now. <laughs> like this is awesome. Oh, like no. my points, the pennies are dropping uh-huh. now. Like I have her where I want her. Oh dear! Uh, little did I learn that shut up, 
Does not mean the is same thing. It's not the same thing. So it was double dog house. Mm. So we have quite a few couples at Northview that are from different cultural backgrounds. What mm-hmm. kinds of things would you say to them? I would say, I think communication. Communication is, is the make or break. If you, so communicate very clearly, uh, practicing active listening and mm-hmm. being assertive. Right. So active listening meaning you're listening not to judge, but you're listening to understand. Yeah. That is huge. That is so huge. Second, you being willing to say you're sorry. Even if the other mm. part, even let's now in any dispute, uh, there's always a shared shared responsibility. Yeah. Uh, in some, one has more responsibility than the other, but there is some shared responsibility there. Mm-hmm. But you being willing to say I'm sorry, even though in your perspective you may not be the one who has the lion's share of responsibility for mm-hmm. that impasse or situation, being willing to humble yourself and to say you're sorry. Then to continue communicating with one another um, and being willing to laugh at your differences. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that, w- that, I think, would, would further mm-hmm. your marriage. And then I, I would say the biggest, the biggest uh, thing, for me, at least for Tamarandai, was I used to pray a lot. Because I hated the fact that we were not in agreement on so many issues. I right. thought we had we would agree, but the cultural differences became so massive. Yeah. So I began to pray a lot, praying for her that God would would soften her and make her the perfect wife for me. <laughs> and I prayed for me <laughs> that God would soften me and make me the kind of husband good. that Tamara deserves as well. So yeah. it was a both and, mm-hmm. like, Lord, mm-hmm. help both of us. And unbeknownst to me, she was also hating the fact that we used to just have these um, spirited arguments uh, a lot as well. And this is our first year, our first years of marriage. Again, all around cultural, mm-hmm. cultural issues. Uh, and she was praying the same thing that the Lord would soften her and help mm-hmm. her understand me for me, and not to under, not to seek to understand to judge, yeah. but to seek to understand to see my perspective yeah. and why I believe or hold to certain things. And I would say it was through prayer that God has really, God really turned mm. things, and where we are now able to understand where the other comes from. I will say. Um, Living in Canada, uh, I guess I, I made my own internal, de- and I don't even know if Tamara knows this, but I would say I made a choice to say, hey, if I'm going to live in Canada and I married a Canadian woman, then I'd better try as much as possible to adapt right. to Canadian culture. It is easier for me to become a, to, to, to adapt and become more like a Canadian husband mm-hmm. than it would be for her to try and be a Kenyan yeah. wife, mm-hmm. an African True. wife. In Canada. In Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if we're in Africa, that makes sense. if we're in Africa, it's different. Mm-hmm. But I'm in Canada now. Mm-hmm. So let me try and understand the Canadian way of doing things. So sometimes I listen to Jeff and the, the way he would talk about Jeannie and some of the things he does and how he communicates to Jeannie and all those things. And I try to learn from that yeah. as well. Because in Africa, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I don't mean just sensual. 
but intimacy meaning you know me for me. Yeah. Intimacy is shared between two men or two women. Okay. So if not Jeff, in marriage. Not in marriage. So Jeff and Jeannie, if we were in Africa, so Tamara and I, Jeff and Jeannie, we are in Africa, and let's say we are all Africans. Yeah. I would know what's going on in Jeff's deepest heart yeah. and his struggle. Jeannie will have no idea. Mm. Oh, interesting. And and Jeannie and Tamara would be sharing with mm-hmm. each other their deepest concerns or hopes and dreams. And us, uh, their husbands, we would have no idea. Okay. And the moment the wife attempts to speak to the husband, yeah. the husband would say, but don't you have your friends or your family mm. whom you can talk to about those things? Okay. Yes. So me learning that actually intimacy in North American context, I need to be open with her and to share with her what my frustrations are, what my fears are, my hopes is a big thing. And that was a huge, it was Mm -hmm. a huge learning curve. Why? Because all that was modeled to me is intimacy is between two men. Right. Or Mm. two women. So you wouldn't have seen it between your parents then? Never saw it. Okay. Mm. Never heard my dad tell my mom, I love you ever. Or my dad sitting down and telling my mom his deepest concerns. Never. Right. But I heard my dad tell my co- his cousin mm. or his buddy. I heard him say those things, but never to mom, ever. Right. So yeah. if we add that in now to church culture, you're now a Kenyan, <coughs> black guy in mm. a predominantly white church. Yes. What are the challenges with that? Well, I think cultural. Uh, obviously, I always have to learn. So I will keep, uh, I keep asking Jeff, I keep asking any Canadian who is around me, uh, what does this mean? Or if someone does this, what does this mean? Or what yeah. is this? When I see something, I ask first, am I reading the scenario correctly yeah. or not? Um, because I realize that I will always view the world from an African from African lenses. Mm-hmm. And even though I've been in Canada for almost 19 years now, does not mean that I understand Canadian culture. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning Canadian mm-hmm. culture. I get a lot of things, but not everything. So one of the things, a good example would be, um, as an African, toward Jeff, for example, Jeff is my leader. Is Jeff always right? No, he's not always right. But as an African... If Jeff says something that I disagree with and I think is wrong, an African would be more quiet because Jeff is my boss. Mm -hmm. He's the boss. He's always right. You be quiet and you just do what you're told. He's the boss. Mm. In North America, the expectation would be, no, you push back. Right. You you, you state your case. You you draw the line. Just Mm -hmm. because he's your boss doesn't mean he's better than you. See, that is, again, something that I had to grow into and mm-hmm. understand, even in pastoral ministry. Right. When, when I'm dealing with people and talking to people, my seniors in Africa, you never give guidance to someone who's older than you. Mm. But then you come to North America, and now you're a pastor, and someone who's older than you comes with a specific need, and where you see, you know what, the scripture is actually calling me, the pastor, now to, to share a gentle rebuke. Yeah to him for mm-hmm. specific things. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Yet I have this cultural background or baggage mm-hmm. that I am carrying now because of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was a lot of growth mm-hmm. that needed to take place and a lot of boldness that I needed. It almost feels like I'm betraying my own culture in some way. Yeah. But at the same time, I love it because I'm able to see North American cultures, North American culture with 
clear eyes. Mm -hmm. And so I can see your blind spots just as much as you can see mine. Right. Um, coming from a different world. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. Yeah, good times. Yeah. So nowadays, mm -hmm. what do you do to refresh yourself? When ministry is hard and challenging and you, or you hit a blah spot, mm. what do you do? So I love to drive up to Williams Lake. I have friends of mine who have, uh, they, they used to live just in Abbotsford and then they felt called, they just felt drawn to the, to the caribou. So they bought property there. They have horses and dirt bikes and guns and big <laughs> property. And my kids are into all that stuff. So we would pack our van and we'll drive up to Williams Lake. And when we are there, I would go and walk the bushes with a mm -hmm. gun with this guy and try to see if there's something we can shoot here, <laughs> you know. So that inspired me to go and get um, a hunting license and things like that just because I found it very refreshing to be in nature. It's almost like being in Africa, but in Canada, where it's so remote yeah. and so rustic yeah. and just outdoorsy. Yeah. Um, I find that to be very, very, very therapeutic. Wouldn't have the demands on your time. Wouldn't no. have the people Cell phone, I just leave my phone in my car while we are there. Yeah. You don't, I mean, they live in a, such a secluded area where I can leave my car unlocked all night. And wow. not even worry that someone will come and open the car, whatever. Uh, you want to be a, you want to be a little careful when you walk outside in the night because a bear could be right there. Right. You're not mm -hmm. seeing it because it's so dark. Yeah, uh, yeah. I find that to be very relaxing. Sometimes Tamara and I look at it and say, you know, we should buy property up here, but I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> bear country. Oh no, that's what you get Good the guns times. for, huh? That's what you get the guns for. Yeah, that's right. That's, That's right. why it's good to have friends up there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, you visit and yeah. then you enjoy it and then yeah, you come back. Because you're not close to retirement age. So you got a bit of a time for that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's basically some of the things I like doing. Going up there and just visiting with our mm -hmm. dear friends and loving on them and um and walking and doing hikes and They've gotten me into horseback riding. You know, Africans, we don't do these funny things. So horseback riding and all these things. It's a lot of fun. That would be Lots a lot of fun. Lots of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tons of fun. My kids love it. So we all enjoy it. That's cool. What mm -hmm. are some last words from Ezra? Last words from Ezra. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say this. I think the I, I would really encourage our people to be deeply rooted in the word mm -hmm. of God. I think... Um, all of life, uh, for me, all of life, I view life on earth as camping. Now, my wife and I uh, and, our, and our family, we, we love camping. It's cheaper, yeah. but then it's also outdoors. It's different from our day-to-day -day routines. So we go camping. We have a little tent trailer that we haul around and we, we, we set it up uh, and, and, and do this. And I view life on earth similar to camping. Camping, you don't have all the luxuries. You don't mm -hmm. have your stove. You don't have your dishwasher or your washing machine, dryer. You yeah. don't have all those things. Everything is just hard, and you have to get up and walk a distance before you can use the, the washroom, that yeah. kind of stuff. And I look at life on earth is that, because the scriptures keep saying that, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus always says, you know, put lay your treasures in heaven. So heaven is home. That's where the stove is and the microwave and the dishwasher. And that's where it's supposed to be. And the earth is, we're just mm -hmm. sojourning through. And so I, th I would say, let's, let's be biblically grounded 
and then put our priorities where they ought to be and realize we are here for a season, uh, for as long as the Lord will have us. And then there'll be a day when our day will be done, our sun will set, and the Lord will call us home. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of now we are packing our gear and we put it all in our van and we are all dusty and dirty, but we go home and we get cleaned up and now we can relax and rest yeah. uh, when we are home. And I'd say... Let's be grounded in the gospel, remembering that our day to go home is coming. Mm-hmm. Do not build your, don't build your big houses here. Put, lay your treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's a good word, Ezra. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you guys next week.